me and stuff and I was going along with her. She said, well, she said, this will be your first time in heaven. She said, you've never been there before, so you don't know what to expect or something to that effect. And, you know, and she was right. I've never been to heaven before, but I can't wait till one day I get there. And uh, how wonderful and beautiful heaven must be. I certainly uh, sometimes uh, hold on to that thought, knowing that uh, in this life, uh, if it was this Hope only we'd be of all men most miserable, but I'm thinking I've got a hope beyond this world. And uh, turn with your Bibles to Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Thank you, Jim. Verse fifteen. Here, the last little bit. It's just kind of been on my heart. Um, feel like God's been dealing with me or speaking to me about the importance of his word and how that we need to uh, put uh, all of our confidence in his word and and trust in what he tells us. Um, A lot of times a decision that I make, I'll go to the word of God and I'll tell God, say, God, I need an answer. I'm not smart enough to make this decision. I don't know what to do, uh, whatever it may be. And I'll look for a verse, something that I read that will burn in my heart and I'll know that that's God's answer. And he's never failed me. Uh, It's amazing to me that God can be so many places at one time and do all the things he does at one time and he had to hold this whole universe together. Um, So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. Is everybody there? The Bible says, Moreover, I will endeavor that he may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. And there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the mount in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto he do well that he take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy is of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for this time together, for this day that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, for it's everything we know about you and it's everything we know about us. Father, thank you for the instructions that it gives or the hope that it brings. God, your word is what taught me one day that I was a lost sinner and dying on my way to hell. And God, by your word, I was saved. Thank you for that and I praise you for it. And I go with us through this service. Lord, use me as you see fit. I need you this morning like always. Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Do with me what you will. And if anything is said, God, you're going to have to say it. Just touch hearts. God is needed this morning. You know what's on each one's heart and mind. You know what's there. In Jesus, your holy, sweet, precious name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, as reading here, 
this to you, and as I've already mentioned about the Word of God and how God has been dealing with me on this, it's not that I didn't think it was important. It's not that I didn't believe it. It is sometimes I think we need an extra dose of just how important the Word of God is and that we follow what it says. Uh, there, it's amazing to me at times that uh, in situations in life it'll look like it's going the wrong direction. Things aren't working out the way we want them to or we think they should or we want to retaliate or react or do this decision or make that decision. And God's Word says to do this and do that. And we think, but God, it doesn't make any sense. But it's amazing to me that God and His power and with the power of His Word can work things out in our life when it doesn't make sense. Uh, faith, really and truly, if you think about it sometimes, doesn't make good sense. Uh, when's the last time it made good sense to try to somebody to step out on the water? It doesn't make a whole lot of good sense to do that. When's the last time uh, it makes good sense uh, to say uh, a king looking at you and you're getting ready to throw it into a fiery furnace? He says, if you don't bow, he says, well, we're not going to bow. Uh, we're going to stick with our king. And they throw you in and you get up and start walking around in the fire. I mean, that doesn't make good sense. Uh, there's a lot of things we can say along those lines that doesn't add up in our carnal mind and in our earthly state. But something I want to preach to you this morning, with God's help, I would, I think personally, strongly, I feel this way, I think it's safe to say in our time two things are very prevalent. Number one, I think we have more information or more availability to the Word of God and the truth of God's Word than we ever have in the history of the world. We have more knowledge available to us today than any time in the history of the world about God and about His Word and about who he is. We also, I would be honestly, I think safe to say, we also have more false information about God right now than we've ever had in the history of the world. We got as much more attack on God and on the word than we ever have. Uh, There's so many different uh, cults and, and, and so many different things that are growing so rapidly and fast. Uh, some of you, I mentioned this before, there's a book going around in a new religious movement called the Book of Enoch. And it's, it's just a bunch of false lies and, and fallacies and stuff. But you read that and there's people falling for that. They're believing it. Uh, one thing that when I was still, when Mike Blake was still uh, inactive in the prisons, going around to the prisons preaching to them and stuff, uh, there's a strong religious cult in the prisons called, um, and I just now forgot it. I had it on my mind. Uh, anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. But, um, but it's a religious movement and it's more or less a gang is what it is. But see, the thing is what you've got to realize when those prisoners get out of prison, they bring that with them out into the world. Right. Openism, openness, that's what it is. And, uh, it's, and, and things like this are growing in ways that you and I don't realize. And Satan has an attack on the word of God like he never has. And I say this all the time, church, and I don't think, uh, I need just to maybe more on this actual statement, not just make this statement. But the world has infiltrated the church so much, so much sometimes that we doubt the word of God because of that. Because there's such an attack on the Bible sometimes from society and from the media. Sometimes it affects our thinking of the Bible and how accurate and true it is and how that God really does judge sin. <laughs> how he really hates sin. And one day, you and I will really stand before a holy and a just God and give an account of how we lived our Christian life. 
Now, I don't believe there's anything in life more sure than the Word of God. Uh, more uh, concrete than the Bible. Satan knows this. And that's why he tells us it's stupid and crazy to quote it, to believe it, and to use the Bible against him because he knows it works. So he'll make you think and believe that that's crazy to do that, that won't work, that's silly to believe that. Why would you ever think that? Where do you think that thought's coming from? Because he knows it works. And listen, uh, how beautiful heaven must be. The Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about heaven, but what it tells, I'm anxious to see it, I know that. And I want to please my heavenly Father. I want to please my Savior and try to do what the Bible says because he has worked so hard to please me. He has done so much for me. I want to do what's right in his eyes because I know the Bible tells me that if I do, he will do what he promised he would do and it will work out always better for me in the end. So we must try. No, we don't must try. We must trust every word of the word of God. Listen, you can't take the part you like and leave out the part you don't like. We must take it all for status quo. Uh, God didn't just put words in the Bible to fill out a sentence or, or waste a space or to make it sound better. He put it there for a purpose. Uh, let me say this, and, and I'll get into my, my points here to my message. Uh, years ago, I met someone, and, and since I'm on Facebook Live here, I'll be a little more discreet than maybe I would have been. But they told me that uh, the church they went to concentrated on the positive things of the Bible. They didn't mention any of the negative things. You weren't allowed to talk about hell. You weren't allowed to talk about sin of the church. Only the love and the positive things. I said, well, I'm a hellfire brimstone preacher. She said, not here. Well, according to my Bible, it's all there. You gotta, you, I mean, you've got to take it all. Uh, the, the hell is real. There's a place called hell and real people that really live and breathe like you and I really go there and live forever. So here's my title this morning, a sure word. Just simply a sure word. You must believe God's word is sure. So let, let's read this again. Uh, verse 15, he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that he may be able after my decease to have uh, these things always in remembrance. So let me ask you a quick question. When you leave here, when you die, when you're gone, what are you leaving for people to remember you by? You know, it's always amazing at a funeral, I think one of the worst people in the world could die and people walk up and they want to say something positive and say something, but in their my heart of hearts, they don't think that always true. The, what you really think about someone is said and done when they die. There's nothing more can be said. When you leave here, what are you leaving in people's remembrance of you about God? What are they going to think about you? If they were honest, sometimes I preach some funerals and I'll be honest with you, I like to get up sometimes, especially people that I know that died lost. So you see this person laying here, they died without Jesus, they went to hell and so are you if you don't get saved. Sometimes I wonder if I shouldn't. That sounds cruel, preacher. Hell is cruel. It's very cruel. 
What, what are you going to leave in, in remembrance? How are, you, how are you leaving your life as a Christian that your family will look back and say, my dad, my mom, my aunt, my uncle, my grandparents, my whatever, my friends, however it may be, here's how they lived their Christian life. They left me this example. That's what Peter is trying to say here. And he said, I've written down some things for you for you to remember and to realize and you better hang on to them. Have you ever written a note to your kids, parents, about God or Jesus? What he means to you and what they mean to them? Even a little note in their birthday card? Verse 16, he says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So number one, we don't have fables in the word. <laughs> this word of God does not have fables. It does not have made up stories. I remember years ago, and you can still find stuff like this. I forgot the TV show, and we got Ripley's Believe It or Not, but there was also a show about urban tales, and they would tell the show that it was up to you whether you believed it or not, some true, some false. As a kid growing up, we'd play truth and dare. Uh, sometimes I regretted which one I picked when I picked on that, we played that particular game, but nevertheless, uh, here I can tell you every word of this Bible is true. There's not a word of it that's some kind of made-up fable, some kind of urban legend. It's all fact. It's been proven time and again, over and over. Thank God, I have a more sure word of prophecy. I have something real that I hold in my hands. I have something I can put confidence in, I can trust in, and I can trust him with my eternal life and with my life here. Everything he said, he will do and take care of you most of the fables that we hear about today a lot of them are designed to cast doubt on the Bible anything to get us question about it uh, most colleges I uh, watched a YouTube video the other day and some uh, college kid was standing up debating with this particular guy Christian and he was saying but I've read the Bible then I spent two years studying against the Bible and he said I just believe science he said the Bible just don't add up he said this science is, is showing me the truth I thought you ain't studying very good science then because um, it definitely don't add up he was talking about the Big Bang Theory and I, I'll say this once again I, 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 one of my favorite activities is to go by that Tannerite that exploding targets and take it out and, and put stuff around that target shoot that thing and kabooey she blows up and stuff flies everywhere, and it tears up stumps and tree limbs. I've never seen it build anything. Amen. I've seen videos of dynamite, and I've never seen them build anything, but I've sort of seen them blow some stuff up and destroy stuff. I've never heard of anything getting built from a big bang. Well, it takes a lot of faith to believe that, I'll tell you. It takes more faith to believe that than it does the Bible. But listen, church, if you've never had a real born-again experience with Jesus Christ, you're going to question the Bible. It's inevitable. Until you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will question what the Bible says. 
because you have no defense. The defense is what's in your heart. The Holy Spirit revealing himself to you and proving to you that God is real. He is real. And everything about this thing is real. Hey, God is sure that we don't have fables in the word. It's not made up stories. It's not fairy tales. Folks, this is real. And you better get a hold of that. And we need to live our lives as though it's real. One day, we will leave here and stand before a holy and a just God and give an answer and account for how you lived your life better think about that what are you leaving behind can people look at your life and say I want what they've got they've got something different than me hmm. the world's watching you to see if what you got is different the Bible says come out from among them be separate saith the Lord and I'll receive you unto myself let me move on in verse um, 17 he says for we receive from God the Father honor for he not we um, he said, for he, re- he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, we have from God the word. We don't have fables and we have from God the word. The word was Jesus. The Bible tells us in John, the word was uh, with God, the word was God, and the word uh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Thank God the word of God was Jesus. He came to live his life. He lived a life on earth. This is his autobiography. Everything about this is about Jesus. Do you realize there's never been an autobiography written like this one? One of the things that people often say, and it's so true, this is the only book you can read that the author is always present with you every time you read it. You don't get to sit down with the author of the book and, and say and ask him questions about the book, uh, certain books that's popular or whatever. I've never been able to sit down a lot of the books I've read and have the author sit there and say, well, this is kind of neat. Uh, what made you think of that? But I can the Bible. There's never been a, an autobiography written to where it's, it's sure everything was from an excellent place, from an excellent source. Everything else in a book is flawed and doubted, but there's nothing flawed and doubted about this book. It has been criticized. It has been scrutinized. No book has ever been dissected like this book has through the centuries and proven time and time and time again. It's true in fact and it's 100% accurate through and through. It's amazing to me how accurate this book is. Written 1,500 miles spreading the authors apart sometimes over 1,500 years, uh, 44 different authors, and it comes together in a beautiful picture. Tell me the odds of that. Yes, baby. Jesus received from God his full word of approval. He didn't have to uh, get approval from nobody else. You get approval from God, friends, you got all you need. But he received from God the Father honor and glory. That's not said about anybody else. But there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mounts. In other words, Peter said, look guys, I heard this with my own ears. One of the things that's pretty sure in a court of law is eyewitnesses. One of the ways that you know that they can find out that eyewitness is telling the truth 
they'll ask him details about that account. And if that eyewitness starts juggling on those details, then their eyewitness account suddenly don't hold the same amount of water as it once did. It doesn't, it doesn't hold the fidelity that it did. They're going to start questioning if that eyewitness is telling the truth. And it doesn't take long for the details that you may mix up to start coming out. But one thing about the Bible is every eyewitness that witnessed anything about Jesus, their details never changed. They always added up. They were always the same. So the details in the Bible that we can read about, I can count on that when they, what they saw was real and what they heard was authentic. Thank God I heard from the Father. He has spoken to me through His Word. And He's never changed the details. He's never had to back up and say, oh, I was wrong. Thank God I can put trust in this. It's a sure word that I can count on and base my life on, make decisions on, and God will do what He said He will do and will never, ever fail at what He said He would do. And who He said He was, He'll never change. I think one of the most sacred vows, the most sacred vow I think you can take is your wedding vows, marriage vows. Sometimes people don't always hold up to that whole wedding vow. When you think about it, it's a pretty serious thing that you're agreeing to. But thank God Jesus has never one time let down on any vow he ever made. Not once. Verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. He says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well to take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, and to day dawn your hearts so number one we don't have fables number two we have from God number three we have the facts of the word let me explain to you what Peter's saying here he says what we have in our hands is more sure than what I saw he said what I'm writing down to you and what we hold is more sure than what I saw with my own eyes. Now that's amazing to me. One of the reasons why, as I've said, is how the writers uh, wrote things. I read one place that at least 332 distinct Old Testament prophecies Jesus fulfilled. And I've read statistics where it's like one in a quadrillion chance of 10 of them taking place, much less 332. Isaiah wrote about him hundreds of years before he ever saw him. The psalmist David sang about him and wrote about him hundreds of years before he ever came to be. Moses wrote about him in Genesis and Moses didn't even realize who he was writing about for sure. He got the instructions for the tabernacle. He got the instructions in Leviticus for the sacrificial system and he got all that together and it was a pre-order of what Jesus was going to fulfill. It was a picture of Jesus coming and the ultimate sacrifice he made for you and I. Do you understand the words written in this Bible? Peter said, what I have just told you about, I have more confidence in this word than what I've seen with my own eyes. That's pretty sure. You know, one of the reasons I think he said that is voices will fade and people will forget, but this Bible will stand. It'll last. 
Our witnesses die, voices fade, but the word of God is forever. It's not going anywhere. Let me say this real quickly. And we're I mentioned this a few minutes ago, and I'm, I try to, to say this from time to time because I want to warn you all of all the things that are out there. There's also such a book called the Book of Timothy, the Book of Judas, and there's all these educated experts that are uh, fluent in Greek or Hebrew or something, and all they want to do is cast doubt on the Bible. They've never had a regenerated experience with Jesus Christ, or they would not be casting doubt. I don't care how educated someone is, if they don't believe in what the Bible says, don't listen to them. This Bible that you hold in your hands, in some ways... Is more precious than that child because this Bible will get you to heaven that child won't I'm not trying to be cruel without my Bible I will not know how to love my kids like I should I will not know how to love my wife like I should my parents I will not know how to pastor well, I don't do a very good job anyway but still I wouldn't know how to do a lot of things that I do without this Bible. It's a more sure word than what they saw with their own eyes. Could you imagine Peter standing on the Mount of Transfiguration? Here Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. They go up on a mountain. They get up there and all of a sudden Jesus is transfigured before them. He's lifted up into the air. He's talking with Moses and Elijah. And there they are talking to God with His... Uh, I don't know what his voice sounds like when you hear it audibly like that. I'd like to know sometimes. A big boom of voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And let me put it in good hillbilly terms. You better listen to him. I don't know what that'd be like. But I'll tell you what, it sure gets your attention. And Peter's saying, what I have written and what you have written down is more sure than what I experienced on that day. That's what that verse means. He says, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. Take heed to what it says, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. I've been in those caverns and caves. You can go tour Mammoth Caves and some of the other ones. And you get back in some of them places and turn the light out. I mean, you can touch the darkness. I mean, you, can't, you can hold your hand in front of your... I mean, that close and you can't see it. I mean, it's dark beyond dark. And just a littlest light will get what shines so bright in that. That's what he's saying. This is the light that shines in the darkness. He said, In a dark place till the day dawn and the day shall arise in your hearts. In other words, when that light penetrates your heart the light of the Word of God and shines in your heart and Jesus becomes real to you. There's nothing like that. I remember the night I got saved. Brother Mike, I enjoyed his testimony. He said he used to wait for the bar to open. Couldn't wait to go sit on a bar stool. Now he can't wait to sit on a church pew. How much better life is a church pew than a bar stool? He hasn't woke up with hangover since he's been coming here. He hasn't woke up wondering if, uh, what had happened last night. His money's not all gone. He didn't get in a fight. 
He didn't worry about what might have happened. He doesn't feel empty and void inside. He feels confident and comfortable and sure. And he feels content and at peace and all these things. And all the while, he still wants more Jesus. How in the world can you be satisfied and want more with what you got? Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus. And there's only one way. Once you're saved, you can get more of him. And that's more of that right there. You must, as Christians, we must spend time in the Bible. You say, preacher, so much of it I don't understand. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. You know, there's some of it I don't understand either. But I still read it. Because it feeds me. Sometimes you say, oh, preacher, it's boring. Sometimes I've got to force myself to read the Bible because it goes against my flesh. My flesh wants to go do whatever, anything, but, it's, but I know it's good. I know it helps me. I know it protects me. I know it renews me. I know it gives me what I need. And every now and then, God will come down and say, let me visit with you while you're reading. And that's worth it all when I get to visit with him while I'm reading. Every now and then, he'll come down and say, just let me love on you. Let me show you something rich and true from my word. Let me reveal something to you that's for you and I. You and I get to enjoy. They, there's the author being present with you when you're reading his autobiography. It can't be compared to a sure word. We have a sure word. He says here in verse 20 and 21, he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. Let me pause here for just a minute. <laughs> that blows denominations out of the water. Yeah. Amen. And all cults. Because if it's a no private interpretation, in other words, let me explain to you what it means. He's not going to show me something in the Bible to interpret one way. Show you the way the Bible to interpret another way. Show you a way to interpret the Bible another way. And show you because if you do that, I'll show you how to get to heaven and I don't need Jesus to do it. From the Bible. Where do you think all false religions come from? Do you realize where they originated from? From the Bible. Somebody read a verse. They took it out of context. They'd never been born again. They decided this is what it means. And therefore, I'm starting my own movement. Now, there are a lot of people that were born again. They got mad. They got uh, their feathers ruffled, as the old saying goes. Or they didn't like what uh, uh, Miss Such and Such said in her testimony. They didn't like what the preacher said. They didn't like how somebody looked at them, whatever the case may be. They said, this is how I see the Bible, and this is how I'm going to believe. They go down the road, they start their own church, doing their own thing, and therefore takes off another denomination. Do you realize there should only be one denomination? So no private interpretation. God has no secret uh, agents out here. He has no 007s. <laughs> okay, let me get back to my message. He says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we, we don't have fables in the word we have from God the Word. We have the facts of the Word. We have a future Word. Now I've already spoke about this a little bit. The prophets wrote about Jesus hundreds of years before he ever stepped foot on earth. Do you also realize we have the future told to us in the Bible? 
and we win. We win. He says, knowing or for the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man. You see, there's another thing. People want to say man wrote this. I want to meet the author who was this smart. Where's his other works of literature? If he's this good, he didn't just stop at the Bible. It was written by men that we were typewriters. Holy Spirit spoke. Men wrote as they were told to write. That's as close to man being the author of the Bible as you can get. He said, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So men wrote as the Holy Ghost spoke to them. I think, I believe I'm right in saying this. The Apostle John is the only author that heard straight from Jesus himself in the book of Revelations. The rest of them, now don't get me wrong, Holy Spirit was there. I'm not taking what I just said out of context. Don't, don't. Jesus is always present. But what I mean is, he's the only one that heard directly from Jesus himself, who was present right there beside of him as he was writing. You say, you believe that? Yes, I do, because it says he saw him. That's a pretty good indication. Holy Spirit was inside of John dwelling. Could you imagine what that must have been like? When he saw Jesus, hair like wool, eyes like fire, feet like in a brass, and he fell down, and he said, I fell down as a dead man. He touched me. He said, fear not. Do you realize how Holy Spirit was inside of him going, oh boy. You realize how they were bearing witnesses with one another? As John was sitting there getting all this from Jesus, revealing our future and what's going to happen soon as he was talking about. And then after chapter 3 of Revelations, glory to God, he says, come up here there, let me show you things you know not. And he starts showing him heaven and he starts showing him all the destruction coming to earth and we get to the end of Revelations and he saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for... Uh, Groom, and there we see all this playing out. He say, preacher, have you ever experienced that? No, in my heart I have. Thank God one day I'm going to, not going to be hope. It's going to be real. Yeah. I know. I've got a future word of prophecy. I know what's coming one day. Sometimes in this old earth, I get awful trudged. Let me, let me go and throw this out there. I don't know, supposedly, we've been talking about this some lately, COVID is getting ready to make a massive comeback like it was in 2020. I don't know if that's true. Some people saying it's just the media trying to scare us. I do, I do believe that, to be honest with you. The government, uh, I don't know. Uh, some people say it's going to be awful. Uh, we're not going to shut down church. The government can say what they want. Now, if we get so many people sick, we have no choice just to stop the sickness. Yeah, we're not going to be stupid. But the government does not control the church. God does. The apostles didn't allow, the Old Testament saints didn't allow the government to control them. Why should we? They're no better than we are. God didn't think any more of them than he does us. How real is the word of God to you? How sure are you of what you read? Do you realize Peter said, what I've written to you, 
what I'm writing to you, what other authors has written, is more sure than what I saw with my own eyes. This Bible that you and I hold, you can put more confidence in it than what Peter saw with his own eyes. And he was there. I don't know what it had been like to watch Jesus raise somebody from the dead. I don't know what it had been like to watch him come walking to me on the water in the darkest part of the night. To stand out on the bow of a boat and say, peace, be still, and all of a sudden all the winds and the waves, everything just lay flat. I don't know what it had been like to see 5,000 men plus women and children fed with two loaves and, or two little fishes and five loaves of bread. And I mean the food just keep multiplying. The more they pass out, the more that it came. I don't know what that had been like to witness that. I don't know what it had been like to see a legion come out of the tomb foaming at the mouth and crazy and naked and cut himself and everything and fall down at the feet of Jesus. When he'd rip anybody else to shreds, but he saw Jesus and he fell at his feet. I don't know what it would be like to be in a crowd of a few hundred people and Jesus turned around and say, somebody touched me. Yeah. And Peter said, Lord, seriously? So yeah, they, they sure are touching you. He says, no, you don't understand. Somebody touched me. Yeah. And you see a woman laying there touch the hem of his garment. She was healed on the spot. Yes, see the roof be tore off. Their friend let down. And Jesus said, take up thy bed and walk. See a leper come back, one of only ten come back, and Jesus touched him, and he not only had to have leprosy, but he was restored whole like he was. His nose or facial features, his hands or whatever was gone, Jesus restored. I don't know what that had been like to see all that. Peter did. He said, what you hold has more hope more assurance and more promise than what I witnessed. What is it today that you need from God? What, what is your needs? He may not spell out to you, let me, let me put it like this, if, it, if I might be a little bit bold. Jason Gracie is going to go into labor and fully deliver on such and such time and date. It may not spell it out like that. But somewhere there's an answer that God will give you what you need. If you'll just trust Him and read your Bible. There have been times I needed an answer from God for stuff. And I'm like, God, do you see the deadline? You're smarter than I am. Don't you see? I, I need an answer, Lord. Don't you understand? I mean, you see this, right? God, you see the same thing I see. And I feel like God is saying, there, yeah, don't you think? I, I'm pretty well aware of it. I'm aware of your situation. I'm aware of your panic and you need to calm down. God will get you through if you'll just trust Him and trust in His Word. It's sure. It's a sure. Father, we thank You again for this time together. And God, I hope I have said something today about Your Word that people can learn and from and lean on. Not just talk about it or preach about it, but God, give some instruction about it. Some assurance Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, for what it means to us. God, thank you that we have a Bible. There's people on this earth that will never hold a Bible.
Christian people who are born again may have a page or two is all they'll ever have. And God, we've got the complete book. I think about people in Russia and different countries, China, North Korea, and communist countries, or God, if you're caught with the Bible, Lord, you're usually in prison for life or you're murdered. Thank you that we are where we are and we have a complete Bible. Help us now to be obedient to you and trust you no matter how impossible it may seem sometimes. God, I know that you're there and you'll come through because you're sure. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. As I said this morning, if you have a need or something that, uh, that you need to talk to God about or something that you're not sure about, that you need an answer from Him or whatever the case may be, I invite you to come to this altar and do business with God. Talk to Him. Seek Him while He's near. Look for Him. He'll answer you. He'll be there if you'll just trust Him. Go ahead. Maybe you just want to come and thank Him for something this morning.